Alright, just like I promised, as soon as I possibly can, here is your AW Dynamite review. And you know what? This show was decent. I really enjoyed the show because it had so many good matches, at least, you know, Warlow vs. Hangman Adam Page, and of course the main event of the night, Kenny Omega vs. Pentagon El Zero Miero. But also, there was Eddie Kingston vs. Matt Seidel that I surprisingly enjoyed for a different reason than I originally thought. And of course, Serena D vs. Layla Hirsch, which was, again, surprisingly a very good match with uh, zero substance to it. But you know what? Let's start the Dynamite review right now. And the whole show started with a little promo from MJF. He was interviewed with Warlow, and basically he made a statement that if Warlow will win this tournament and then will defeat John Moxley, he will become the AEW World Heavyweight Champion. And it doesn't matter if Warlow likes it or not because it's in his contract. But you know who doesn't like MJF at all? It's Sammy Guevara who came out and basically said, I will, I will try to do everything in my power, so you will never be in the inner circle. To what MJF responded, I like what you stand for, I like your character, but your promo, it just sucks, so don't do it. And after this, Sammy Guevara intimidated MJF a little bit more, and the first match started. Wardlow versus Adam Hangman Page. It was a nice way to start the show, uh, with this promo segment because it felt different from most of the AEW Dynamite shows that start with a big pyro explosion and then the first match. So it's a nice change of pace. And this match, this match ruled. I'm saying this for the second week in a row, but Warlow's matches are really fucking great. And it doesn't matter, it seems like, which opponent you're gonna give to him. Because this was a main event caliber match that opened this fucking show. And as you probably could have guessed, this match went just like Jungle Boy versus Wardlow, but a little bit differently. The whole match started with sneaky attack from Adam Page trying to use his space, but immediately got cut down by Wardlow. And after this, it was dominance after dominance after dominance from uh, Wardlow. You know, he was in control for the big portion of the match with one sickening bomb that Adam Hangman Page took on the outside after Warlow picked him up and spinebustered him through the railway. It was mean looking. And when I'm saying this, I mean this, trust me. Uh, but the whole match continued with uh, Hangman Page getting glimpse of hope here and there Cut in a little bit of a fiery uh, attack here and there, but again, getting cut down by Wardlow, even getting hit by F10, but he immediately rolled out of the ring so Wardlow couldn't capitulate and pin him. And after this, Hangman Page took a little bit of advantage, hit a Buckshot Lariat, which did absolutely fucking nothing, and then hit another one to win the match. It was great, you know, I covered it very, very lucidly, you know, just very fast, but 
if you're gonna look deeper into the match, there was some great moments like Hangman Page hitting a moonsault on outside and then immediately hitting the shooting star press on the inside for only one count that made Warlow look so dominant and already established as a big boy who would who would kick out of the moves that would end the match against some other opponents. But overall, it was a nice way to establish uh, Hangman Page and Wardlow at the same time. And the establishment came in further after the next promo by John Moxley, who not only once again pushed the idea of Eddie Kingston not being himself, not being his old friend, but also pushing the AEW overall, saying that this version of Eddie Kingston is not, does not belong in AEW because AEW is only for a high-privileged, incredible talent that deserve to be on the top of a spot, that deserve to be on the top of the mountain. And this version of Eddie Kingston does not, de does not deserve to be here, and he will make sure that he will either bring the right version of Kingston or will get rid of him for good. Another great promo, not as good as the last week one, but still top-notch, great promo for this week. And after this promo, we immediately got ourselves an Eddie Kingston vs. Matt Sydal match. Once again, I said that I enjoyed it, but for a different reason. Uh, at first, I thought it was going to be either full Eddie Kingston domination to establish him, or it's going to be Matt Seidel high-flying abilities that will allow him to take, you know, advantage of the match. But instead, we got ourselves very grounded and very submission-based type of match that pushed the idea of Matt Seidel not only being a great high-flyer, but also a great submission guy now, and that never want to give up, who always wants to win. And it gave another layer to Eddie Kingston's character because not only is he a hard-hitting Japanese-style asshole, but he also will do whatever it takes, and it doesn't matter which style of wrestling you wrestle, he will try to bring you down and wrestle the way he wants you to wrestle. And I enjoyed it. You know, to my surprise, I decided to watch Dark last night before the Dynamite, and... There was Matt Seidel versus VSK, if I right remember, and this match was good because it pushed the idea that, oh no, it was against Sean Dean probably, or someone like this, VSK fight another dude, it doesn't matter, it's Dark, nobody watches this. But on this episode of Dark, Matt Seidel wrestled a very submission-based type of match also, and the commentary pushed the idea of the new demeanor of Matt Seidel, this new version that not only is a great high flyer, but also is a submission master who will destroy you mentally and physically. And they try to push this idea here on Dynamite as well, with not only hitting some incredible fast-paced maneuvers like Crucifix or Hurricane Runner from a top probe, but also always trying to go for a submission or just try and ground Eddie Kingston who loves to be grounded because he's not a great high flyer, he's not a great, uh, you know, hidden wrestler when it comes to fast-paced attacks, but he's a very well-done, ground-hitting asshole. And this is his style of wrestling, but Matt Sedell was not afraid to wrestle this way. 
And this match made me respect and made me more invested in both of those men than I ever expect I will come out of this match. And the whole match ended in the incredible way. Eddie Kingston locked the Bulldog Choke, which is a signature of John Moxley, and uh, he didn't release it even after Master Del tapped. Only when Bunny went and grabbed the microphone and stood right near Master Del's mouth, and Eddie Kingston forced him to say, I quit, he released the choke. But even after this, he said, I'm sorry, Mox. And while he was holding the choke, he was always saying, say I quit, Moxley, say I quit. And it was a very delusional, but also a very interesting take that after the match, he was looking blank. He didn't really know where he was, and it pushed the idea that he's so delusional. He's on his mind that it doesn't matter who he faced, he see himself fighting against Moxley in the biggest match of his career and trying to make him quit, but also feeling the responsibility of choking out his friend. And I thought it was great. After this great segment, we got ourselves uh, not so much of a great segment. FTR and Yambuck's interview. It was a separate interview by Split Screen and... Um, what can I say? We carry on the tradition of Cody Rhodes saying that I will give up my future title show for this title if I'm gonna lose the match at full gear. Uh, because Young Bucks announced that if they're going to lose at full gear, they will never challenge for the tag team titles ever again. Um, um, I guess I like it because their feud was a little staled. And uh, a lot of people criticize this feud for being heel versus heel, for being way too inconsistent, for not pushing the idea of this match is between two best teams in the world with two completely different philosophies. And this is what you should have pushed instead of whatever you're pushing right now. And I can agree. And I think they tried to explain it a, a little bit in this segment by saying, uh, Matt Jackson said that, he doesn't know if he likes this new demeanor of young bucks, super kicking every single person right in front of them. But this is what they need to be right now, not they want to be. I thought it was a good line, but overall, it this segment came out as meaningless, but also something that finally meant something for this feud. And I think it's nice that we have some sort of stakes, you know, in this match, but... I don't think it's the right stake, because now I think Bucks will win their match, because I just cannot see them not winning their own titles one day, and it would be just stupid to do the same thing two years in a row. But also, which what I think was weird, is the fact that they didn't push the right ideas, like I said before, we are the best team and this is the right uh, philosophy, this high-flying abilities, the high-flying stuff, and FDR saying, no, 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 we are the best, and we are representing this 80s style. And not only this, you already have this heat between them on Twitter, but also with the matches that you established, the segment that you established in July and August with uh, 
FTR being dicks towards Kenny, Hangman, and Bucks, and Bucks from time to time being heels to FTR. You had a story, but instead you went the wrong way, and now you try to redeem yourself by adding this stipulation, but I truly don't think it's worth it. So, overall, I was conflicted with this segment, mostly going to negative rather than positive. After this, we had the Inner Circle and MJF segment where they would debate whether the MJF should join the Inner Circle. And how well went down, we had three person on the outside, Luchasaurus, Britt Baker, and a surprising guest, Eric Bischoff, who was back once again on AEW Dynamite with a segment with Chris Jericho. Always great to see him. I popped a little bit because it was like, I know there are spoilers and I will avoid them by any means. And when I saw Eric Bischoff, I was like, damn it, it was worth it. It was fucking worth it. And even though I enjoyed this segment toward the end, I really thought it was cringy and um, just outright stupid at the very beginning. When Luchasaurus asked his question, I thought it was a little bit weird. They tried to do the same thing as they did with Orange Cassidy, who surprisingly caught a very com complicated sentence. And with Luchasaurus, it's, you know, conflicting when he says, I have a degree, but also I'm a dinosaur. So I know it works, but I thought it was a little bit stupid. Even though I love the response of MGF to this question saying that even though, you know, your question was very good, very complicated, I have an answer. After I'm gonna join the Inner Circle, our merchandise sales, everything will go through the roof, as Cameron Grimes would say, or to the moon, as Cameron Grimes would say. Uh, then Britt Baker has a question, how can you, Chris Jericho, be sure that... Uh, Maxwell will not stab, stab you in the back. He responded by saying, we're not jackasses like Cody, so it will never happen. And after this, Eric Bischoff came out, asked a question saying that Chris Jericho is a prima donna. You are a prima donna. How can you both go co-op together in this team? And you know what? Maxwell was the one that made the segment actually so believable. Because his response to this question was spot on. He says, I am a perfect wrestler, as you mentioned, Eric Bischoff. But I am lacking one thing and one thing only. This is a teamwork. And I believe that in inner circle, I'll finally become a complete wrestler with even this knowledge. But after this, Chris Jericho cut him off and said that he doesn't trust him. And MJF responded by saying that I gave you everything. I gave you the best segment of your entire career. And you say I'm not worth it? That you don't trust me? What else should I do? And that's how it became official. Full Gear, November 7th. Chris Jericho versus MJF. I really like the way the segment ended. Because not only did we establish this match. And if MJF will win... He will join the inner circle and he pushed the idea that he will do anything and I mean anything to win this match. Given a lot of opportunities to the future storyline potential like injuring him and being the leader of inner circle or just beating him and trying to co-op with uh, Chris Jericho by saying yeah yeah I'm finally with the inner circle it's such a privilege but I beat you Chris so 
maybe I should be the leader or some sort of some sort of this kind of stuff. You know, this gives a lot of potential. But not only this, we once again gave uh, Ortiz a potential to speak because he grabbed the mic and he cut a, the promo of his own saying that he and Sammy doesn't want to see him in the inner circle. Santana is a 50-50. Jake Hager is preparing for his MMA fight, which is going to happen tonight. Um, yeah, it's Thursday right now, Thursday night, so it should happen relatively soon if I remember. And um, he said that next week is going to be MJF and Wardlow versus Sammy and Ortiz. Again, I love this. They gave an opportunity to speak to Ortiz once again, cut a little fiery promo, and also establish the idea that in a circle, in majority, doesn't want to see MJF. It's only Chris Jericho who sees himself in Maxwell. And even though I thought that this segment was pretty rubbish at the beginning, I thought it picked up when Eric Bischoff came on and became very, very solid and very good towards the end. And after this, we had Cody versus Orange Cassidy in a lumberjack match. It was a rematch for the TNT title. And um, I don't like lumberjack matches. I'm not going to lie to you. I always thought they were pointless and lumberjack just straight away fighting with himself and just being... This stipulation is complete rubbish. This time, Lumberjacks actually did what they want that they need to do. When uh, Cody or Orange were out of the ring, they immediately pushed them back to the ring so they wouldn't stick around with the outside for way too long. And it was good. And I actually enjoyed those Lumberjacks because, you know, best friends were in the crowd and when Orange Cassidy fell down, they caught him and bring him back to the ring. But when at the same time, Cody fell down on the best friends, they caught him too, but then let him go because he's not their best friend. And overall, you know, I thought the interference of Dark Order actually made sense. It was fun to see Jonesville run around and, uh, you know, be himself, always be over the top. It was fun because Orange Cassidy... And Cody put on a alright match uh, in these circumstances, you know, uh, very fast-paced, given opportunity to Orange to do his typical moves by now, super kick, uh, DDTs, air crash, you know, all this stuff, and giving Cody an opportunity to sell and perform some of his maneuvers. It all obviously came down to Cody being on the outside, Orange being on the outside, Dark Order interfere, it's a massive brawl. And then it's a massive suplex from a top rope to all the Lumberjacks. But also, it was an opportunity at the end of the match for John Silver to interfere once again, hitting a, a bro kick basically to Orange Cassidy's face, then being uh, knocked out for the ring by somebody from a Nightmare Family or Best Friends, I'm not remembering right now, that allowed Arn Anderson to hit Orange Cassidy with a cheeky punch and then allow Cody Rhodes to win by a crossroads. It was chaotic, but in a much better way than the tag team match last week. And even though I didn't enjoy it as much as the, the previous encounter, I thought it was decent. And it allowed us to have the next week match of the Gun Club, Billy Gunn and Austin Gunn, and Cody versus the Dark Order of John Silver, Colt Cabana, and Number 10.
whatever, I guess. It was chaotic. I didn't enjoy full match, but some parts I truly enjoyed. So I guess it's established what it had to establish. And it established the buy-in match for Full Gear or John Silva versus Orange Cassidy, which should be a whole lot of fun. Two comedy goofballs fighting against each other. Once again, should be great. Then we had a behind-the-scenes segment with, uh, after this match, Tren and Chuck coming back to the locker room by meeting Mira and Tren, who apologized for attacking them because Alan was a present from Miro to keep saving him for his wedding and they destroyed it but it's all cool now. Psych! They attacked them immediately after this, beating them down and Miro throwing Tren right into the, you know, just the wall of the room and it was very sicky looking, you know. I really enjoyed this little brawl that they had. And next week we're gonna have Miro versus Tren and I think it should be a decent match, the first proper match for Miro, first, I'm pretty sure, one-on-one -on -one match. Yeah, it should be, it should be very good, because Tren is a hard worker and he will sell the hell for Miro. Uh, after this, we had Serena Deep versus Leila Harsh, and once again, I'm gonna reference to Dark, which was actually a very fun episode with Brendan Cutler actually for the first time winning, and... Uh, Lala Hirsch fighting against none other than fucking Hikoshida. And even though I enjoyed this match against the new NWA Women's Champion, Serena Deeb, I thought it was very hard-hitting, very technical, and just a great match that showcased the ability of Serena Deeb and uh, Layla Hirsch. I was pissed off because after the match, we've seen a behind-the-scenes promo where Shida just said, I accept the challenge of Nyla Rhodes and I will fight against her at uh, full gear. Which was rubbish! It followed out a great match between the two wrestlers into this rubbish promo. And the most unsatisfying, the most ridiculous thing is that you had Layla Hirsch versus Hikaru Shida on fucking Dark, which was a decent match that showcased the ability of both women. But instead, you go and push the NWA Women's Champion, who is your AEW member of the roster, you know, I get it, but come on, do something with your Women's Champ. I know it gives some prestige to Dark, because when Moxley was on Dark, it was cool. When uh, SCU were on Dark as the Tag Team Champions, it was cool, but overall... Hikaroshita doesn't feel as a legitimate champ because she only is on fucking dark or in the barricade uh, where she just looks at another women's match or squashes someone. It pisses me off because I love AEW, but this type of thing, they just piss you off. Like Again, it was a very good match between uh, Lila Hirsch and Serena Deep, but I was frustrated after this promo segment between uh, Hikaroshita and... Alex McCaffrey, or whatever the name of this dude is, I'm just fucking going insane right now at the moment. It was just frustrating. Because you have an opportunity to do something great, but instead, you just drop the ball every time. Uh, then we had Sean Spears versus VSK. 30 second match, straight away, Sean Spears went for a C4. I really enjoyed this 
Sean Spears version. He's now in uh, top five rankings for the AW or TNT title. He is on a 15 match winning streak. And after the match, somebody starts throwing at him candies because it's a Halloween time. It was somebody wearing a bull costume. Obviously, it was Scorpio Sky. And Scorpio Sky performed a TKO to basically knock out Sean Spears for a little bit. Next week on Dynamite, we're going to have a conclusion to their feud, probably in one-on-one match between those two. And I really am excited, surprisingly, because I was invested into this feud because I covered the Tuesday night special edition and I enjoyed uh, Sean Spears coming after Matt Seidel after his match versus uh, whoever that was because no after Sean Spears basically because I was remembering Brandon Cutler and Scorpio Sky and it was a nice you know beginning to the feud then some dynamite uh, behind the scenes backstage interference between those two and obviously the dark interference that they had yeah I'm surprisingly very invested and I want to see this match even though I don't think it will be something special I am looking forward to this because it's a conclusion to their feud and obviously at the end of the night we had Kenny Omega versus Penta El Zero uh, when Penta came out with Ray Phoenix he was very disrespectful to Ray pushing his high five just ignoring him being very selfish and then Kenny Omega came out with his brusher dances girls uh, wearing mask of Lucha Bros and uh, he just was disrespectful straight away he was wearing his t-shirt didn't even you know uh, dressed for the occasion basically he was wearing this stupid new day type of t-shirt that was very baggy and instead of fighting he was just running around like an idiot and then when they started finally fighting, he was very disrespectful, stepping on Pentagon, no selling his moves. And when Penta decided to confront him, he revealed that under this fucking shirt was a AAA mega title that he won from Ray Phoenix, which was a very nice touch by commentary because me, as a lot of viewers, didn't know about this. But thanks to this little detail, it made it so much more disrespectful towards the Pentagon and Ray Phoenix. And after this, he decided to went straight away for the chop contest that they did with the Pentagon and Ray Phoenix did last week. And he was very disrespectful in this occasion as well, throwing a chop, then landing a great chop by Pentagon, you know. Ah, oh, his chops are fucking brilliant. And then, when Pentagon decided to throw his glove, he just caught it, and instead of letting Pentagon punch him, you know, chop him, he punched him in a gut, with a gut kick. Being a very heelish, surprisingly, I guess, person, rather than Pentagon being a heel, he was more of a face this match. And this match fucking ruled. It was a reverse from All In, uh, where the first time ever encouraged between themselves, and this is only their second fight in history which is a madness to think about, even though that AEW was alive for two years now. Again, madness. But instead of Kenny uh, being in control for the most of the match, like at All In, it was Panther who controlled the pace, who was kicking the leg of Kenny Omega, you know, 
been more over over guy overall I think and who showed more than Kenny in this match but there were some great moments this was a great match like no shit it was a main event it was the best match of the night which showcased this new demeanor of Kenny Omega who some people like who some people don't because he's so over the top with his facial expression with his you know uh body type you know just being over the top throwing the punches always saying something to himself with this eyes that are bigger than my fucking balls i don't know uh, you know just over the top character that so far i enjoy but if he will be always over the top this anime style maybe i will be a little bit out of love with this character because I think he should be more serious from time to time and he won this match after an incredible sequence with the Pentagon trying to go for one win and angel and a V-trigger only landing V-triggers trying to go for one win and angel but getting worked over then when he was on the outside after trying to perform a suplex on the outside he got landed with a Canadian destroyer from a top rope on the outside and then landed with the picture-perfect pile driver Which was so great of a near fall, which was fucking incredible one two three No, and you really thought that Pentagon might actually go further down the line and stop this dream match of Penta of uh, Hangman versus Kenny and make it as Hangman versus Penta which I wouldn't be against by any means. But then after this, Kenny stand up, went for another V-trigger, attempted another one with an angel, but again a reversal from Panzer, arm breaker, and only after this, couple reverses, uh, V-trigger, one with an angel, that was looked more of a desperation that rather than, you know, just a casual move, just the finishing maneuver. It was so desperate. He was trying to do anything to end this match as quick as he possibly can. And it was great. And after the match, he held the AAA title. Didn't even look at Ray Phoenix, who was basically staring at him after the match, after being disrespected by him. You know. And now we have this match between Kenny and Hangman announced for the full gear. It should be fucking incredible. And Full Gear looks stacked. It looks fucking amazing, you know. Not only are we going to have All Elite Deletion match. Not only are we going to have Hangman vs. Kenny. Uh, Moxley vs. Eddie Kingston. We're also going to have Cody vs. Darby. Bucks vs. FTR. It's just fucking madness. And overall, you know, there were some segments that I didn't like in this show. But overall... It was a very strong show with some great matches and great promo. Overall, I truly enjoyed the show and I recommend you to watch it. Thank you for listening and hear you soon.